Welcome to Proven Improbable, where we focus on metals, mining, and more. I'm your host, Maurice Jackson. Our featured issuer is establishing itself to become one of the world's leading graphite producers. I'm speaking of DNI Metals, trading on the CSC symbol DNI and on the OTC symbol DMNKF. Joining us for a conversation is Dan Weir, the executive chairman of DNI Metals. Before we begin, allow me to convey to our listeners that DNI Metals is a sponsor of Proven Improbable and that we are proud shareholders of DNI Metals for the virtues we will convey in today's message. Mr. Weir, welcome to the show, sir. Hi, Maurice. Dan, I always have to ask you this, but for first time listeners, what is graphite and where is it used? So, graphite is carbon is really uh, the the base of, of graphite. Uh, carbon can be found in either coal, graphite, or in, uh, in diamonds. Uh, that's the main ways we find it. But again, carbon, we're carbon-based orga, uh, organisms. Um, so it's found everywhere in the world. Um, what is it used for? Everything we touch in our lives pretty much every day has been in contact with graphite or uses graphite. Let's use a prime example. Elon Musk has this vision of the world uh, that we are gonna all drive electric cars. All the other car manufacturers in the world are jumping on board with that. But what makes an electric car work and the problems have been for the electric car to bring the prices down and everything else is storing of that electricity or a battery a lithium-ion battery the biggest component in a lithium-ion battery uh, by weight is graphite other than the plastic case or the steel casing that holds the battery together so so one of the most important components in a lithium-ion battery is graphite so it's very very critical to that the it's a huge growth area um you know bloomberg stated that in 2015 that there was about 15,000 tons a year uh used for anodes in lithium-ion batteries that, that's graphite uh tonnage um they figure that in the next number of years that that's going to grow to probably about 350,000 tons a year. So the demand is growing exponentially for graphite, specifically for uses in lithium ion batteries. Another area that we see a huge growth for graphite is in what they call the expandable graphite area. Expandable graphite allows you to make foils or make graphite into plates. So a fuel cell has plates in it they're made out of graphite um, uh, building materials they're starting to use uh, graphite in building materials in the roof on the walls for fire protection uh, because it's a good insulation but it has a very very high melting temperature that's why traditional uses of graphite were in refractories or in the steel making industry um, where all the crucibles, all the molds are lined with graphite because it can handle the high heat. So again, you've got your traditional markets and you now have growth markets. DNI realized in 2015 that in order to compete with China, because China produces 60 to 70% of the world's graphite, you had to go somewhere where your costs could be low 
and you could get, find infrastructure um, uh, as well as high quality graphite. That's how we ended up in Madagascar and why we're developing two projects currently in Madagascar. Now, we know what graphite now is used for and uh, what it is, but why should investors care? Investors should care because of the growth demand. And there's lots of graphite in the world. Again, you've got to look at places that have been producing graphite for over 100 years. Brazil is a uh, country that produces lots of graphite. Madagascar has been producing graphite for well over 100 years. And you have to ask yourself, why? Why can Brazil and Madagascar compete with China um, uh, all the time? It's because of this saprolytic, or saprolytic is just a fancy word for weathered material. It's very simply to, simple, not simply, it's very simple to go in and mine graphite in uh, countries that have uh, high temperatures and get a lot of rainfall. So certain areas of Madagascar and certain areas of Brazil in particular have this effect. You get this weathering of the rock. Um, in our case, it's about, uh, uh, on average, about 30 meters deep where simply you go in with an excavator, you dig it up, and you can process it and produce it. Uh, so, um, you know, and again, the other bonus about our project is, is that we're 50 kilometers to a port uh, on a paved highway. So uh, we believe that we've got a very exciting project. Um, there's a lot of development work to continue to move it forward, but we're moving very quickly uh, to do that. You know, D9 Metals is always working laboriously to increase shareholder value. You just issued two press releases this week. Let's discuss the first entitled Graphite Project Updates. What can you share with us about the drilling that will get us all excited? So, DNI completed a drilling uh, program uh, at the uh, end of October. Uh, we had brought in a rig to do a thousand meter drill program, a diamond core drill program. What's very important about using a diamond core rig specifically in the, to, to look at graphite, um, graphite is like diamonds. If you have a diamond mine, you're going to have small diamonds and you're going to have large diamonds. The small diamonds you're going to use in the, uh, industrial space for drill bits saw blades, the very large diamonds, which are very rare, uh, you're going to use for jewelry and are worth a lot of money. Graphite is identical to that. You've got fine material and then you've got these very large flakes. The larger the flake, the more valuable it is. Now, there are other, other aspects to that. Just like a diamond, you know, a diamond, it can depend upon the clarity and the color of it. When you're looking at graphite, it is the it is the the carbon content or the purity of it that also is important. So, we're lucky in graphite. Um, uh, sorry, in graphite. We're lucky in Madagascar that the graphite there is a large percentage of it is uh, large flake, um, which makes it more valuable uh, than a lot of other deposits in the world. So we we're very lucky. You know, low cost because of the saprolite and because we have a large percentage of the uh, of the large flake. Now back to my drilling. 
we used a diamond core uh, rig to go in and and bring up the samples because what we wanted to do is we wanted to keep intact those flakes, okay, so that we could do a proper economic assessment of our property um, because, again, if we maintained the flakes, then you can uh, extract the larger flake and figure out what percentage it is. You'll use that in an economic assessment. Um, and again, the more larger the flakes, the more valuable your property. Other people will drill these type of deposits just using an RC rig or an air core rig. Um, the RC, one of the problems with it is, is when you're drilling with an RC rig, um, it destroys the flakes, so you can't get a proper flake size distribution. So we're very excited that uh, we completed the drill program. Um, we'll have drill results out shortly uh, on the back of uh, uh, some of our numbers uh, on that. We're also very excited that we believe that we've completed uh, enough of the drilling now to complete a resource study. Um, and we believe in the first part of 2018, uh, that we will have the uh, resource study out. Oh, and by the way, it'll be to 43101 standards. All right. And can you give us an update on the trenching as well? So the trenching, we completed the trenching uh, last week. All the uh, samples have been taken from the trenches. We did a total of five trenches. Um, some of them were up to uh, 160 or 170 meters long. Um, and um, the great thing about the trenching is, is um, we, 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 we trenched, we drilled within a pattern of about 900 meters uh, in length. We, we trenched outside of that 900 meters and we found uh, beautiful graphite in those trenches. So what we've done by doing a bunch of the trenching is is we've extended the length of the of of the of the zone or or the mineralization of the graphite, um, and we know that it's both open north and south where uh, from where we are. So we're very very excited about that. The trenching also is a great tool. Uh, the last trench we dug, it was four um, meters deep, four to five meters deep, um, and it was all dug by hand. Um, it was great. All the locals, it's great to be able to hire locals and give them jobs. I mean, a lot of these people are extremely, extremely poor. Um, they love the fact that we're there and giving them jobs. We could have brought an excavator in there and, and dug, dug it all up. We could have got it done faster and cheaper by doing it with an excavator, but it was really great to be able to work with the locals. They are amazing people. We love working with them, um, and giving them a job uh, was, was fantastic. I can attest to that. I've been there two times with you, Dan, so uh, thank you for conveying that. Question for you here as well. How much bulk sampling have we collected? Graphite is very unique. Um, um, people try and um, use the same methodology when you're exploring for graphite as a gold deposit, okay? A gold deposit, you go out and you drill it off, you do a resource report, and you'll have X amount of, of ounces, okay? You can then take those ounces that you have and extrapolate on that and say, okay, um, if we have a million ounces 
and it's uh, and um, uh, it, it's worth fifty to a hundred dollars per ton in the ground, then our deposit is worth X. The problem you have with graphite is is that you can have these big massive resources and they're not worth anything. And I repeat that. They're not worth anything unless you can actually sell the stuff. There are so many deposits around the world, graphite deposits, that are stranded right now, mostly because they're too high cost to compete with China or Brazil or Madagascar. But secondly, um, they don't have offtake. They're not making sales on this. So what you have got to do is you've got to take samples. And in this case, we collected 90 tons of material, 45 tons. We have two main, we have two big zones on, on our property. With one we call the main zone, and then we've got a southwest zone. We took 45 tons from each one of those zones. Um, we then took and separated out 20 tons from each zone and have put them in containers. Remember, graphite uh, material around the world is all shipped 20 tons at a time in a 20-foot container. So we put them in these super sacks and we shipped them to India. What we have found, and I was in India in October, what we have found is, is there's a huge demand for graphite right now in India. Uh, actually, in, in a lot of places in the world, there's a huge demand for, for graphite. But specifically in India, uh, the demand is increasing and we shipped uh, 40 tons over to India. They're going to process it um, and give us all the results from that. It will also allow us to have some fairly large samples as well. We've left the other um, uh, 50 tons in uh, Madagascar right now. It'll be sitting uh, at a location near the port uh, that if we need to do any other fur further testing, it'll be very simple and easy just to ship it out. So that's why we collected the 90 tons. All exciting news here. You know, when I was in Madagascar with you in August, I recall that DNI was having an environmental survey conducted. What is the status on that? Yeah, um, it's very exciting. Uh, we completed the uh, and filed, very importantly, with the government, the, uh, uh, the environmental study or the EIS. Um, that was filed for the first property last week. And our new property, uh, the Marafuti property, um, it was be, it's going to be filed this week or or early next week. Um, it's about a it's a report that's about 500 pages long. Um, when you were there, Maurice, there was biologists out on site that were uh, going uh, through the property, um, you know, checking on wildlife, making sure that that there weren't any endangered species that we were going to to bother. Um, you know, some people have claimed that we're in the middle of a rainforest. That is totally incorrect. Um, we're in and around all sorts of small farmers that um, that slash and burn the, the 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 landscape, plant fruit trees and and other things, and then you know pick the fruit and live off of that fruit. They also have rice paddies and stuff as well. Um, but um, uh, that's how they live. So there's there's no jungle that we're destroying or anything else when we when we come in to to do the mining so all of that has been filed we should hear back from the government here very soon on, on that um and 
that's all we need really to go start mining, Maurice, which is very exciting. <laughs> very exciting, very encouraging, and congratulations. You referenced uh, Mayor Foody here. Just give us a quick uh, project update there, please. So um, towards the end of October, uh, we closed on a second property called the uh, Mayor Foody property. Um, it is adjacent to our first property, it, and the first property's name is Voitsara. Um, we now have contiguous land package of over 100 square kilometers. Um, and we know that the second property uh, had historical mining on it in 1939. Uh, there's a nice pit there. Um, the people that we bought it from had drilled three holes. There was some really nice intercepts uh, in those holes. It was done to non-43-101 compliance, so we can't use those in a resource study or anything else, but it gave us some great indication and showed to us that there's huge potential on the second property. In fact, we think that the second property could contain more graphite than the first one. Again, I'm just speculating, but I'm telling you here that what we have seen on the second property and walked around on it, it looks absolutely phenomenal. The graphite is very similar to our first property with these big, large, massive flakes. Um, and we're very, very excited about that uh, second property as well. But I really will emphasize the first property probably has enough graphite on it um, to that my grandchildren will probably see production from it on the uh, on the first property. The second property just, you know, is almost like a slam dunk for us. Now we become having this big, massive land package, no uh, immediate neighbors and, um, you know, having what I am trying to do is build a, a, a great graphite producing company or mining company um, and moving this company forward. And I just want to touch back on Mayor Foody here, uh, the historical mine there. Was that alluvial? Yes. Traditionally, what happened uh, in Madagascar is you had French families that operated mines. There was four operations. And what they would do is they would go out and when they saw outcroppings of graphite, they would take and dig down somewhere down to about five to ten meters uh, in the outcropping, uh, take the material back to their centralized processing plant, then move on to another area. So the first uh, uh, property that we have, uh, uh, Voitsera, we found that there was about five small pits uh, throughout the, the property. The second property, I know of two, and I'm likely, as we continue exploring on it, that we'll find other small pits on it as well. All right, and in reference to Marifuti here, are there any reversionary interests, meaning 100% owned by DNI Metals? Both of our properties are 100% owned by DNI. Uh, nobody else has any interest in either one of our properties. Switching gears. Dan, can you comment on this letter of default to Cougar Metals issued this week? What I'm going to say, Maurice, is, is that you should reference our press release on December the 1st. That'll give all the details of the default, uh, the, sorry, the notice of default to Cougar. I, I must emphasize that Cougar has until Friday to rectify some of the uh, uh, defaults uh, that they have. Um, so until then, 
Um, I really don't want to discuss anything further um, uh, uh, with that. Again, please reference uh, our uh, press release that we put out on December the 1st. All right. Now, Dan, what keeps you up at night that I forgot to ask? A couple things. Um, DNI, you know, I started at DNI in, in January of 2015. Um, and, and we knew that graphite prices were going to start to, to move higher. We knew that the demand for electric cars and the demand for uh, cell phones and computers and everything else was going to explode. And we knew that graphite as a component in a lithium ion battery was very, very important. Um, so we knew that that was all going to happen. We were very excited about getting into the graphite space. Um, I continue to be excited. Things are coming true that we always knew was going to happen. Um, you know, graphite demand is a, a exploding. I mean, electric cars are exploding. Um, you know, it, here in the Toronto area, you try and go and buy an electric car or a hybrid car right now, pretty much every dealership, doesn't matter whether it's GM, Ford, Tesla, it's very difficult to even buy one of these cars right now because they're in such high demand. All the car companies are scrambling right now to, to, to build and design and engineer uh, electric cars. And that's all the way from Porsche all the way to, to every other car company that's out there, okay? Everybody is scrambling to get electric cars because of the demand. So it's great that we can do that. We know that it's very important to get into production as fast as possible. That is why we um, uh, are going out and moving forward with building a pilot plant. It will be a small scale commercial plant that we will put in operation. We said in our press release, and I gave an update to the market on December 4th, um, and please, uh, I, I want everybody to refer to that too. It really gives a full update of our plans and what we're doing and how we're doing it and, and moving that forward. Um, the, the pilot plant um, will be containerized, built here in uh, Ontario, Canada, and shipped over to Madagascar. Our goal is to have that going in the first half of 2018. Um, from there, as we um, keep working with our offtake partners and potential offtake partners, um, the goal is to build then a full commercial plant somewhere towards the end of 2018, early 2019. We know it's extremely important to, to be a first mover, and we know that because of the low capex and our low operating costs that we have a very strategic advantage over everybody else. Now I will emphasize that we have not completed a preliminary economic assessment or feasibility studies. Um, we will be working on those in conjunction with all of this. So when I say low cost and low capex, that's just on the premise that we're working in the saprolytic type deposits. It's why we went to Madagascar in the first place because we know that they're lower cost. But but again, we, and I've got my legal hat on here right now, until we actually put out those numbers, um, I have to be very careful in, in what I say out here, okay? And those numbers, we're expecting them again in the first quarter, is that correct? 
That'll be for the resource study. The uh, PEA will follow after a resource study. Okay. Now, as part of that, in 2015, towards the end of 2015, uh, when it was almost impossible to raise money in the mining industry, the other thing we realized was that there's going to be a huge demand out here for lab work. What we're seeing at uh, the lab that we're using and other mining labs, when I say lab, I mean a um, testing facility for mining samples and, and graphite um, in general, whether it's gold, graphite, doesn't matter. They're all running at full tilt. At the end of 2015, we tried to buy a lab in, um, in, uh, here in Mississauga. Um, the market didn't understand what we were trying to do. Um, I'm very disappointed that we couldn't put the money together. Now, it was pretty much impossible to raise money in 2015, so it was understandable. But, man, it would have been great to have owned that lab right now because um, it, it would be cranking out lots of money. What we've done uh, uh, since then, uh, and this has just happened over the last month, we've rented some space and we're setting up our own small lab where we can do some of the float tests um, and other simple tests on, on graphite um, because we know how important that is to be able to provide samples, to provide the proper flake size distribution within your deposit um, and being able to again provide proper samples to your clients uh, so that's why we're moving forward with that but i'm still really disappointed that we couldn't buy that big full-on lab and many of my investors keep telling me i need to stop talking about that and focus on the graphite so that's what we will do we are focused 100 percent on r2 and i'm going to emphasize this again maurice 100 percent owned graphite deposits in madagascar we are moving them forward and we'll continue to do that um, and we'll keep working hard for our shareholders uh, as we do all of that. Well, we look forward to a very promising uh, 2018. Dan, if investors want to get more information about DNI Metals, please share the contact information. Yes, uh, you can always get a hold of me. My cell phone number is 416-720-0754. That's 416-720-0754. Uh, you can email me at danweir at dnimetals.com. That's danweir at dnimetals.com. Or, as you're going to say, Maurice, come on, say it. What's the website? <laughs> the website is www.dnimetals.com. All right. And last but not least, please visit our website, www.provenandprobable.com, where we interview the most respected names in the natural resource space. You may reach us at contact at provenandprobable.com. Dan Weir of DNI Metals, thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Thank you, Maurice. All the best, sir. Thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Remember to like and subscribe for more conversations with the most respected names in the natural resource space. Check out our website at www.provenandprobable.com. The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, 
completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor.